Browns, Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Video Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Videobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 874. Once again this week, our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine with hopes that the conflict there will soon be over. Well, a very, very long time ago, Dean Martin sang this. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Well, the folks at Popular Science magazine have kind of updated that lyric to say, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, it's the perfect time to look for migrating birds. But if you don't have time to stare at the moon for hours on end to observe this phenomenon, that's okay. There's a robot for that. And you can actually get one for about 150 bucks, telescope not included. It's called the Loon Arrow, L-U-N-A-E-R-O, created by researchers at the University of Oklahoma. They're still tweaking the system, so apparently it's not quite ready for prime time. But to find out if Loon Arrow is right for you, check out the story about it on our Talking Birds Facebook page. It's not February anymore, but we're still doing our Florida thing vicariously. Last week, our Freya McGregor sent us another of her famous audio postcards, one from the Florida Panhandle. And she's inspired another listener, also from the Sunshine State, to send a card. It's a very short and sweet one from Cecilia observing some birds in her Gulf Coast backyard. Hi, talking birds. This is the noise from my platform bird feeder. It's a mixture of morning doves flying in and flying away and grackles posturing and making noise at each other. This is Cecilia from St. Petersburg, Florida. Thank you, Cecilia. Meanwhile, here in New England, our friend Gary Menon, who was a tireless advocate in the fight against bird-killing rodenticides, sent out an email alert about a bill in the Connecticut legislature that would go a long way toward banning the use of rodenticides there. And that's another story, too, which you'll find a link on our Facebook page. That is the sound of our mystery bird. A little preview here of our mystery bird contest coming later in the show. We give you the clue now, so you'll be kind of ready, and we'll give you the sound. Well, you just heard the sound, but here are the clues. Our mystery bird is a small, stocky, subocene perching bird. The male is red on the crown, lower face, and underparts. Kind of a blackish-brown mask and blackish-brown wings and tail. Female, dullish grayish or dull grayish-brown above. Pale red under the tail and a streaked whitish chest. Our bird, which breeds from southeast California, east to central Texas, and down through Mexico and points south, perches on a branch or wire, periodically flying out to catch airborne insects. That would be our mystery bird. And here are the beautiful prizes that await. One is a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly, birds and beans coffee. 
and a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books, home of one of the world's largest selections of books about birds and nature. If we have time for a bonus question, then we'll have another prize uh, to offer. That would be a $20 certificate for Wisdom Supply, makers of plastic-free books and notepads, journals, and other items for classroom and office. That's all coming along on our Mystery Bird Contest. Well, when we aired last week's show live, it was the 27th of February, one day away from the deadline in our quest to grow our Talking Birds Ambassadors family to 700 members. Ambassadors, by the way, are listeners who help get the word out about our show and the wonders of birds and the importance of conservation. So on that day, there were 697 members in our Ambassadors family. So did we make it? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed we did. And thanks to Talking Birds listeners and now ambassadors, too, in California, Vermont, South Carolina, and our home state of Massachusetts, we flew past the goal with 703 members as part of the royalty of our Talking Birds audience as Talking Birds ambassadors. We'll be saluting them on an upcoming show for helping us surpass the goal. And we'll send a special citation to our ambassador number 700, whose identity we'll reveal soon. Happy to say we've uh, added more ambassadors since then, and we want to invite all Talking Birds listeners to join our ambassadors family. Help us get the word out about birds and conservation. Just go to the Get Involved tab at TalkingBirds.com to do it. Meanwhile, we thank uh, these new ambassadors, Carol from Prosser, Washington, along the Yakima River. Thank you, Carol. And thank you to Sandy White from Hatfield, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Sandy, and thanks for the kind words about the show. And still to come on our show today, we'll learn about a wonderful citizen science-enhanced program called Nature's Notebook, with special guests checking in from Tucson, Arizona, and Irvine, California. Plus, we'll connect to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, to meet up with Mike O'Connor in a Let's Ask Mike Live segment about... Why a lot of birds are singing kind of early before breeding season really gets here. And up next, with the Major League Baseball season on hold, our friend Linda in a certain mid-Atlantic state is without her favorite team. But she does have their namesake favorite bird nearby. And it's today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Many pro sports teams are named for birds, like the Toronto Blue Jays, the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Hawks, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Baltimore Ravens. But there's only one where the name of the city and the nickname of the team form the name of a bird. No, it's not the Anaheim Ducks. It's that other team from Maryland, the Baltimore Orioles. For a while there, the team was named for a bird that didn't exist officially when the Baltimore Oriole and the Bullocks Oriole were lumped together as the Northern Oriole. It's nice to know that the Baltimore Oriole regained its separate species status, the Bullocks too. Among this medium-sized songbird's relatives are blackbirds, bobolinks, and meadowlarks, in the icterid family. 
The male Baltimore Oriole is a distinctive-looking bird indeed, with brilliant orange body feathers, a black head, and bold white bars on its black wings, a pointed bill, and a long pointed tail. The female is duller in color, with a head that's brownish olive and black, and a more pale orange body. The Baltimore Oriole feeds on insects, spiders, and nectar, and those big orange slices and grape jelly you put out in the backyard for them. In spring, their tightly woven gourd-shaped nests can be seen hanging from the ends of slender branches in tall deciduous trees across most of the U.S., except for parts of the far west and Florida where many spend the winter. Listen for the pure, sweet, whistled song of the male Baltimore Oriole. and the female, which sings too. The Baltimore Oriole, Icterus galbula. Today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 874. Well, Nature's Notebook gathers information on plant and animal phenology across the U.S. for decision-making to ensure the continued vitality of our environment. And we're about to learn more about it with our guests, Aaron Postumus, who's Nature's Notebook's outreach coordinator, and Bettina Eastman, a birder and biologist who volunteers with Sea and Sage Audubon in Irvine, California, and with Nature's Notebook. Good morning, Aaron and Bettina. Good morning. Thanks for being with us, and especially, Bettina, thanks for being up so early, but you're a birder, so easy for you, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, first of all, Erin, tell everybody, if you would, what phenology is. Sure. So phenology might sound like a complicated word, but once you understand what it's all about, I'm sure that you're very familiar with it, especially as birders. Uh, But we usually define phenology as the timing of life cycle events of plants and animals and their relationship with climate. Mm -hmm. And so phenology is a way to understand when plants are active, when birds are undergoing seasonal activities, and how all those things relate to their environment. All right. So silly question. Uh, Timing is everything, as as they say, (laughs) and as you're suggesting. But why is it so important to study that when it comes to animals and plants? Yeah. So even though people have understood phenology and paid attention to it for a long time, there's still a lot of things we don't know about phenology and about how climate change is impacting plant and animal seasonal activity. So there are still a lot of research projects going on to try to understand Things like mismatches, which are when maybe a plant shifts its timing, but the birds don't shift to keep up. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also still a lot of work going on to understand things like allergy season. So trying to predict when, based on the timing of flowers on plants, uh, when the allergy season is happening and how long it might be. There's also lots of implications for things like recreation. So knowing about um, leaf peeper season, so when trees are changing color in the fall. Uh, when you might be able to see wildflowers in the spring and lots of other things like that. So how does the info gathering work and how do, how do the results get implemented? Yeah, so we started the Nature's Notebook program um, and we use the USA National Phenology Network based here at the University of Arizona. 
because there wasn't really a way to collect standardized information about phenology. And so Nature's Notebook is our way to have people all across the country collecting information about these plant and animal seasonal events. And so we have two different ways that people can participate. We have backyard observers where you can set up an observation site and track different plants and animals that are of interest to you. And we also have a number of groups, people like um, Audubon centers, nature centers, um, we have botanical gardens, lots of different groups all across the country that are observing together at the same locations. Mm -hmm. So scientists can't collect all this data on their own. You have a very impressive number of folks who have been doing this and you're looking for more, right? Yeah, exactly. It would be so hard for, for us to try to do this on our own. So definitely having the um, uh, all the people that are involved all across your country is, is wonderful. And We've had um, about 22,000 people that have been active in the program since we started in about 2008. Uh, we generally have about 4,000 people every year that are participating. Wow. Well, it's kind of where you come in, Bettina, as a volunteer. Tell us a, a bit about the work you do on behalf of Nature's Notebook and Sea uh, and Sage Audubon and how you got involved. Well, thank you, Ray. We have um, 12 to 15 volunteers. Um, we have two member to three member teams and we go out uh, two teams per week and we've been doing this since 2015 so we go out we have a, a timed route that we so our data can be consistent and each of our volunteers go out and track what we call phenophases um, the behaviors of birds are they nest building are they feeding what are they feeding on things like that and then we enter our data into nature's notebook uh-huh so erin how do folks sign up by the way as a nature's notebook volunteer yeah so you can just go to naturesnotebook.org and sign up for an account mm -hmm. and if you want to volunteer as a backyard observer you can just take the we have lots of training opportunities you can take our observer certification course and learn all you need to about nature's notebook mm. uh, and then set up your site and add any plants or animals you want to from our list um, and then start observing. Well, Bettina, uh, uh, assuming for the moment that you enjoy being a volunteer for Nature's Notebook, uh, what would you say to encourage uh, folks to join up? Well, of course I do or I wouldn't be doing it. And actually <laughs> we've been fortunate that all of our volunteers, I don't think we've really lost a one um, since we've started. Um, but it's really rewarding to go out and you may go bird watching as a birder as I'm sure your listeners do. But to really stop and, and slow down and watch a bird knowing that you're not disturbing its natural behavior and then try to figure out what is it doing? Is it is it gathering mud for a nest like I saw just the other day from a black Phoebe? You know, it really is rewarding to know that your obser observations are making a difference for our understanding of, of what these birds are doing. So I think people would really enjoy getting involved. Mm -hmm. So the bunch of featured campaigns from flowers for bats to nectar connectors, pest patrol, lilacs, and dogwoods. Erin, um, can you give us a, maybe a quick overview and a, a little detail about some of those? Sure, yeah. So we, we have a number of these, what we call our Nature's Notebook campaigns. And these are generally started by researchers who really need data about particular species or natural resource managers like the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. 
And they've come to us at the USANPN and ask us, can you get data for us on these species? And so we call upon our many observers across the country to take part in observing these species. Um, and right now we don't have any campaigns that are focused on birds, but if anyone ever came to us and asked for us to do that, we could certainly do a campaign focused mm -hmm. on particular species. But right now we have a, a number of different um, campaigns focused on different plants. And so you can check out our website to see which campaigns are in your area that you might be able to be involved in. All right. And that's naturesnotebook.org. Nature's Notebook, gathering info on plant and animal phenology, helping to ensure the continued vitality of our environment. That website, again, is naturesnotebook.org. Aaron and Bettina, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Thank, thank you. And, and by the way, you know, we wanted uh, we want to plant uh, milkweed here in our Talking Birds garden for monarch butterflies. So can I call on you for advice on that, Aaron? Definitely, okay. yes. And you should sign up for the Nectar Connectors campaign once you get your milkweed in. Got it. All right. Thanks again. Coming up Thank next you. here on Talking Birds, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. There's our mystery bird. It's a bird you can see kind of out where Aaron and Bettina are. It's a small, stocky, subocene perching bird. The male is red on the crown, lower face and under parts. It has kind of a blackish-brown mask and blackish-brown wings and tail the female is dull grayish brown above, with pale red under the table, <laughs> under the tail, <laughs> and a streaked white chest. Not sure where I got that one from. Our bird, which breeds from southeast California, east to central Texas, and down through Mexico and points south, perches on a branch or wire, periodically flying out to catch airborne insects. That's our mystery word. Tell us what it is or take a guess, because no correct answer means a drawing will determine... Our winner, we're always determined to have a winner, so uh, give us a call. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. Beautiful prizes from Birds and Beans Coffee, shade-grown, bird-friendly, delicious coffee, a 12-ounce bag of Birds and Beans Coffee, and a $15 gift certificate for Beautyo Books home of one of the world's largest selections of books about birds and nature. Those are the prizes for our winner in the Mystery Bird Contest. That number again is 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, birds singing before breeding season. What that, what's that all about? We'll find out with Mike O'Connor. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Beauty O' Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. 
New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. My name is Phil Whiteherby, and I'm calling from West Milford, New Jersey. What I like about Talking Birds is that it presents information about wild birds and conservation in a humorous way. I learn something new in just about every episode. I tell anyone thinking about becoming a Talking Birds ambassador that if you truly care about the natural world, becoming an ambassador and spreading the word about the show is the way to go. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family at TalkingBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Mike O'Connor is down there on beautiful, sunny Cape Cod. It's time for Let's Ask Mike. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray. You know, I was half paying attention to the show earlier, but then I heard you talking about pizza pie, and I, I kind of I yeah. locked into that. Yeah, that's how we get you. <laughs> you know, I've done that, and, you know, I used to read about that where people would take a spotting scope, even binoculars, but yeah. I would say a spotting scope and put it on a full moon during mm-hmm. migration season. I did it in the fall, and, you know, because people would say you'd see the birds migrating by, mm-hmm. and, and I thought it was stupid, but, you know, I was bored, so I tried it, and it was pretty <laughs> cool. You could you could see little birds zipping by mm-hmm. in the distance, the silhouette going by, so that's a good thing. What was the name of that product again? It's called the Loon Arrow, L-U-N-A-E-R-O. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I spelled loon wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a bird, so you're 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 forgiven. Uh, you're forgiven for that. that was kind of where. Th- up. I'm like, that's not anything. I think. Uh, anyway, so what are we talking about today? Oh, what are singing we, birds, oh, right? Birds singing yeah. uh, early uh, in, in in the season when it's too early for them to sing. Are they rehearsing? Practicing? <laughs> what are they, they're rehearsing. What are they doing? They're warming up. They yeah. actually kind of are. Um, yeah, I had a lady come in last week. Um, Last week, believe it or not, was still February. I don't know what month it was where you are, but it was February here <laughs> last week. And and the lady was, it was snowy. The lady was cleaning off her car, and she could hear cardinals singing, and she thought, is it really spring yet? Well, a lot of the birds, a lot of the resident birds, northern cardinals for sure, tough to tip mice, chickadees, Carolina wrens, they're not really migrants. And so even though our calendar says it's winter, it's as the, as the days get longer and the angle and the sun uh, shifts, these birds get warmed up a little bit for the spring. They're not going to be nesting for maybe a month or two to yet, but they want to get their territories claimed early, so they start singing early, along before the nesting season. It's like, you know, back in school when you would put your books or your jacket on the table at the cafeteria so you have a seat when you, after you got your food. It's the same thing. So these birds are out, the cardinals especially, are out singing to claim their territory. They're not migrants. We'll say hummingbirds or warblers or orioles are still in the tropics, and they won't be back here to claim their territory for another few months. But these guys are on the territory or in the neighborhood of the territory year-round, so they get busy singing earlier. It's not maybe as elaborate songs as they have during the full-on courting season, but basically all they're doing now is claiming their territory. So there's a lot of young birds around looking for territory, and these singers, more often than not older birds, are already putting their foot down saying, no, you can come by, but you're not going to claim this territory Hmm. just yet because it's not time for them yet. And then they won't be building a nest or anything for quite a while yet, but they're just getting things ready to go. Mm-hmm. Because even though it's our calendar says winter, yeah. they're 
internal calendar says it's getting close to spring, so they're getting ready. Yeah, I was just checking. We, it was February here also uh, when it was. February. Oh, was it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a coincidence. Isn't it's it? amazing how the calendar thing <laughs> works like that. I, I don't know if birds are singing out out, out in the back of our radio station here because we can't open the windows yet. Still a little bit uh, chilly, but we did see common ravens flying up to the broadcast tower carrying sticks uh, last week. You know, I'm going to have to swing by there. Can you can you see the nest from like the parking lot or something? You can. Yeah, it's. Very, very tall, yeah. So you kind of need a pair of binoculars to, to to get a good look. But we can we could see the nest up there. We've seen these common ravens flying in. They've been up there, you know, they've been nesting there several years in a row. We also have uh, in our little garden there, uh, we've had uh, house wrens, which are, you know, troublemakers, I know, but uh, <laughs> ch- chickadees and uh, tree swallows nesting too. So. No, no, tree swallows on back, but uh, wow. The house and the house run. Don't you love the troublemakers? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was interesting. They they allowed those tree swallows to nest there, which I thought was kind of surprising because they don't usually uh, cotton to they anybody sh- else. They don't like to share. They don't like anybody in their territory. Generally yeah, speaking. No kidding. All right, I'm gonna come by and check out these ravens. That's All right, cool. Good. We'll talk to you next week, Mike. Sounds great. All okay. right, Mike Bye. O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers. General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, and we will return to the Mystery Bird Contest and try to figure that out right after this. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds' conservation and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. 781-837-4900 is the number for our mystery bird contest. There's the mystery bird, a small, stocky, subocene perching bird. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Our bird breeds from southeast California east to central Texas and down through Mexico and points south. It feeds by flying out from branches or wire wires to uh, catch airborne insects. What would that mystery bird be? I think we have Patrick in Boulder, Colorado this morning. Good morning, Patrick. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Fine, thanks. Well, thank you. I, I might have this wrong. Are you one of our relatively new ambassadors from out there? Yes, I am. Yeah, in the last couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for that, Patrick. And um, we hope you'll win our mystery bird contest even more. So what do you, th- yeah. <laughs> what do you think that mystery <laughs> bird is? Well, my guess, you know, I think I got my light bird here uh, in South Texas last November on the banks of the Rio Grande, and it's a... Uh, Vermilion flycatcher. Boy, that sounds like the right answer to me. Um, Vermilion flycatcher. Absolutely correct. What a beautiful bird that is. I always think of David Sibley when I think of that bird because he tells the story about how he and a friend were driving along, I think somewhere in Arizona, and they both looked up and said at the same time, Vermilion flycatcher. And they, <laughs> and they stopped and backed the car up to get a better look, and it turned out it was a, actually a piece of red cloth that was uh, tangled oh. up in a wire up there. So oh, even, nice. even, the, even the great experts uh, make mistakes. <laughs> it's nice to know. Hey, we have time for a bonus question if you'd like, uh, like to try it. Yeah, sure, I'll give All it a right. shot. Okay, this is not specifically about birds, but it's a, an environmental question. Nutritionists tell us that carbonated soft drinks are among the worst things you could drink. But there seems to be at least one good thing about a new one called Pepsi Nitro. What's the one good thing? This is multiple choice. A, it's that it contains much less sugar than regular soft drinks. B, 
contains fluoride to help reduce dental damage. C, it's that the company recommends drinking it without a straw. Or D, it's that it has enough caffeine to keep you awake until next September. Those should be your choices there. What do you think? You know, well, it would go with D, but I think that's um, not going to be, you know, I'm just going to guess B. B is that it contains fluoride to cut. Uh, uh, maybe it does, but that's not what we heard about. It's that they recommend drinking it without a straw. Because we don't mm. need more straws in our environment, for sure. Those, no, pla- we do not. those plastic ones. Anyway, but nice job on that mystery bird, uh, Patrick. And stay on the line, and we'll manage to send those neat prizes to you. Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Patrick. Out there in Boulder, Colorado, correctly identifying our mystery bird, the vermilion flycatcher. We mentioned that subocene thing, and it means it belongs to the flycatcher group, whose song is innate. Doesn't learn it from neighbors or parents. The way other song, the way songbirds were called ocenes do. Just a little trivia there about flycatchers. That is it for our show this morning. That means we're getting ready for the next one. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks to our great Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, special assistant Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Video Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Videobooks.com.